0: Nice. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. That's so great. The scripture
1: passage today comes from the 15th chapter of Acts, verses 1 through 8. Then certain individuals came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to discuss this question with the apostles and the elders. So they were sent on their way by the church and as they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria they reported the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the believers. When they came to Jerusalem they were welcomed by the church And the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and said, It is necessary for them to be circumcised in order to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders met together to consider this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, My brothers, You know that in the early days God made a choice among you that I should be the one through whom the Gentiles would hear the message of the good news and become believers. And God, who knows the human heart, testified to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And in cleansing their hearts by faith, he made no distinction between them and us. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing on the neck of the disciples a yoke that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear. On the contrary, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will." The whole assembly kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul as they told of all the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, My brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first looked favorably on the Gentiles to take from among them a people for his name. This agrees with the words of the prophets as it is written, After this I will return, and I will rebuild the dwelling of David which has fallen from its ruins, and I will rebuild it, and I will set it up so that all other people may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles over whom my name has be, been called. Thus says the Lord, who has been making these things known from long ago. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks
0: be to God. You can take that. Thanks, Jordan. Let's pray. Gracious God, open our hearts and our minds to the word just read and the words to come, that you might speak a new truth to us on this day. Amen. So I know they have to switch the um, things back there today. So I got a minute, and what a joy for me to have! I didn't raise my hand, but all three of my daughters are home, and so Jordan just read, and Hallie and Sophie got to do the little mic running. So all is well in the world. Anyone else? We got time to kill. We got <laughs> there's pictures to go along because it's just like an extended children's moment because that's how I do things. So I don't have any props, but. There we are. All right. So, I, wait, it's not me, <laughs> just to get it out there. It could be, though. We had trampolines for, like, years upon years because, like, it's just so much fun, but it's not me. Okay. So, I had to do a lot of praying to prepare for this sermon. Steve had given me the opportunity to preach on Mother's Day, and I gladly accepted, and then I read the text. Circumcision? Really? (laughs) On Mother's Day? Between Brian and me, we have five daughters from the ages 17 to 24, and we have spent the better part of a decade trying to keep them away from boys and their parts, as you might say. So then I get the narrative lectionary, And that's what I get to preach on? Yikes. Talk about irony. Talk about needing prayer. Well, some of you may know that my best prayer time is when I'm running with our husky named Malachi. There is something about having no distractions, no people, no phone, and along with those endorphins that are being released that really help me to listen and to connect with God in a unique way. So I read the text that Jordan just read for us, Acts 15, one through 18, and then I'd go for a run to see what God might have to say for us through this passage on Mother's Day 2017. Well, another thing that I have to share with you is that I have this habit of picking up garbage when I run, It's probably a combination of the way that God wired me for creation care, growing up in Montana, loving and caring for the great outdoors, along with my years of being a Girl Scout leader, always trying to leave the place better than how we found it. So now sometimes people kind of like scrunch up their noses and say, how can you pick up somebody else's gross, disgusting garbage? And I remind them that I am running with being pulled by a 75-pound husky. Honey, that garbage ain't nothing compared to the gifts that he gives me to pick up, if you know what I mean. So, one day last week, in my collection of a Pop-Tart wrapper and some napkins, I picked up this full piece of paper that said, pulling report, like, like pulling weeds. And it looked like this convenient list of little boxes so that workers could look at the things that were checked off, that needed to be pulled out from the rest. And I thought how I hope that my name wasn't on that list. And I thought about the Gentiles who weren't physically like the Jewish Christians, so they were to be pulled out. And they were to be pulled out of something quite significant, salvation. In the first verse of the scripture passage that we read, we heard, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, You cannot be saved. Can you imagine? Given the absence of anesthesia during the day, I think that a lot of men would have encouraged their families to take their chances and to worship the sun god or any other god who didn't demand such a big price. Yet these Jewish Christians were serious about their request. And I know it sounds harsh, but we have to remember that circumcision was a big deal for the Jews, God's chosen people, they had two primary identity markers. The first one was super, supercision, circumcision given by God to Abraham. The second one was the law given by God to Moses. Heck, even John the Baptist and Jesus were circumcised. So it made sense, kind of, that the certain individuals would think that the way to Christ is by first doing the stuff required to be like Christ and to be more like one of God's chosen people. We love to have that checklist, don't we? Especially if we have everything on it and we're the ones holding the clipboard. Those of us in church sometimes can be the worst, can't we? So we stand at the door getting ready to check the boxes to see who gets to come into the party. Keep the Sabbath, check. Worship only one true God, check. Honor your mother, And your father? Check. And now, if you wouldn't mind just hiking your robe just a little bit. Oh, no, I'm sorry, you don't make the cut. Next. Kind of crazy, and I wish it weren't true, but there is something in our human nature that makes us feel kind of good about checking all the right boxes for us and being the gatekeeper for everybody else. Unfortunately, I think this goes back to the beginning of our faith roots, when Cain thought his checklist wasn't as complete as his brother's Abel's, so he got rid of the competition. Cain killed him. This kind of checklist of who's good enough or who does enough is the opposite of everything that Jesus lived and died for. Now, Steve is having the elders, the deacons, and the staff read a book called Velvet Elvis by Rob Bell. Bell uses the image of a trampoline to help us to understand the mystery of God and how we can be in relationship with God and relationship with one another, given the limitations of our finite, earthly knowledge. The fun mat that you get to jump on, that's like Jesus or God. But the springs that are holding the mats, they're necessary so we can jump. But the springs aren't God. The springs aren't Jesus. The springs are statements and beliefs about our faith that give us words to the depth that we are experiencing in our jumping. Bell would call these the doctrines of the Christian faith. They aren't the point, they help us to understand the point. They stretch and they flex with our questions and our doubts, and they bring a fuller, deeper, and richer understanding about the mysterious being of who God is. But God is way, way bigger than our imaginations. But these discussions and the doctrines are necessary to give us insight, to give us understanding, and language to be able to experience God. But the springs only work when they serve the greater cause of us finding our lives in God. So when the question about circumcision came up as a potential barrier of letting anyone jump, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them. So now we have to reach back to the very beginning of Acts when the Holy Spirit came upon all of them. Not some of them, not just the blondes, Not just the circumcised, the Holy Spirit came upon all of them, both Jews and proselytes, speaking in every tongue under heaven so that all could hear and understand the Word of God. Peter says in Acts 15, verses 8 and 9, And God, who knows the human heart, testified to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He did for us, and in cleansing their hearts by faith, He made no distinction between them and us. Did you hear that? God made no distinction between them and us. We're all invited to jump, and you know why? Because Jesus came to earth not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus paid the price for the requirements of the law so that we all can now be in direct relationship to God. Peter stood up and said in verse 11, We believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as they will. How will we be saved? Through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to lie, grace is like a four letter word for us competitive people. I happen to be an overachieving, get her done with excellence kind of gal and I also happen to be just the tiniest bit competitive. My favorite letter is A plus. (laughs) My second favorite letter is, I don't have a second favorite letter, I only like A's. Okay, got that off, I promise. This is not gonna be a therapy session for Lori. But I do wanna explore this concept of grace with you. Brennan Manning writes, writes, The heart of Jesus loves us as we are and not as we should be, beyond worthiness and unworthiness, beyond fidelity and infidelity. He who loves us in the morning sun and the evening rain without caution, regret, boundary, limit, or breaking point. This kind of grace-filled love is a gift We can't do anything to get it. We can't follow enough rules or check enough boxes to get it. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. To say that someone deserves grace is a contradiction in terms. You can no more deserve grace than you can plan and throw your own surprise party. In the same way that planning voids the idea of surprise, claiming to deserve voids the idea of grace. You can ask for it, you can plead for it, but the minute you think you deserve it, it's no longer grace, it's something that you've earned. Jesus paid the price, and he offers it to you, and he offers it to me as a gift. And the best part, really, 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 is that Jesus offers it to the whole world. Jesus said in Acts 1-8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. And we don't have to worry that there's enough to go around. It's kind of like being a mom. There isn't a finite amount of love to offer. I remember having Jordan Marie 24 years ago this little six-pound bugger taught me how to love. That's not her. And uh, <laughs> Hold on a second. We didn't take those really cool pictures back in the day. It was really cute, though. I remember talking to my mom about being so afraid to have another child because I thought there is no way that I could possibly love another being as much as I love Jordan. My mom told me that there will be plenty of things that I will worry about as a mom, but this never had to be one of them. She said that she couldn't explain it, but that God somehow gives you enough love for the next one. And after experiencing the same infinite amount of love for Hallie, I didn't have to worry a minute when I was pregnant with Sophie. Friends, God's love for us is like a mother's love on steroids, I know that I'm one of the lucky ones with the relationship that I have with my own mom. I think of the way that she always listened to me without judging, how she encouraged me, supported me, and really, really delighted in me. Her unconditional love was one of the closest things I have ever felt to the love of God. And yet I know that the perfect love of Christ for you and for me shines a thousand times brighter than that. In response to this awesome love, I want to grow into the person that God created me to be. I want to please him, not unlike how I never wanted to disappoint my mom. I mean, I never thought that I was at risk of losing her love, but I wanted to love her back by pleasing her with my words and with my actions. And I think God's kind of the same way when I think about loving God back, I think that the way of Jesus is the very best possible way to live and to respond to God's love for us. Rob Bell puts it like this. I'm convinced being generous is a better way to live. I'm convinced forgiving people and not carrying around bitterness is a better way to live. I'm convinced having compassion is a better way to live. I'm convinced pursuing peace in every situation is a better way to live. I'm convinced listening to the wisdom of others is a better way to live. I'm convinced being honest with people is a better way to live. Jesus demonstrated this kind of living in his compassion, peace, truth-telling, and generosity He was showing us God. He was showing us the good life. I can't do it perfectly. I can't earn His love. I certainly don't deserve it given all the dumb things that I've done. But by His words and actions, Jesus showed us that He isn't standing at the edge of the trampoline with the checklist of which we could never fulfill. He's inviting us to jump, to jump with Him and to jump with each other. Now, we don't get to choose who's jumping and who's not, and it might help us to remember that God's grace is ridiculously inclusive. Apparently, God doesn't care who he loves. He's not very careful about the people he calls his friends or the people he calls his church. So, one last story. Henry Nouwen was a legendary priest and teacher who taught at highly respected universities like Harvard, Yale, and Notre Dame. But Henry came to believe that those settings did not, for him, bring out the person that God created him to be. So this famous writer spent his last 10 years of his life caring for physically and mentally challenged people at a small community called Loche. While he was there, Henry made friends with a resident named Trevor, who had many mental and emotional challenges. One time when Trevor was sent to a hospital for evaluation, Henry called to arrange a visit. When the people who ran the hospital found out that the famous Henry Nouwen was coming, they asked if he'd meet them, and some other doctors, and some important people. So he agreed, and when he arrived, there was this fabulous luncheon spread out in this special place called the Golden Room. But Trevor wasn't there. When Henry asked where Trevor was, they told him that Trevor can't come to this lunch. Patients and staff are never allowed to have lunch together, and no patient has ever been in the golden room. Well, Henry told them the whole purpose of this day that he was there was to have lunch with Trevor. So if Trevor wasn't having lunch, then neither was Henry. Somehow they suddenly found a way to have a place for Trevor to have lunch with them. So the Golden Room was filled with adults who were really excited about the great Henry Nouwen being in their midst. Some tried to get up close to him. They thought of how great it would be that they could tell their friends that they spent the day with Henry Nouwen. Today, they'd be posting it on Facebook and Instagram. Some people pretended to read books that they hadn't read just so they'd sound a little smarter, and others were still upset that the rules had gotten broken between separating patients and staff. Trevor... He didn't take notice of any of this fuss. He just sat next to Henry. And at one point, when Henry was talking to the guy next to him, he didn't notice when Trevor stood up to speak to the crowd. A toast. I want to offer a toast. The room grew quiet. What in the world was this guy going to do? Then Trevor began to sing. If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. If you're happy and you know it, if you're happy and you know it, if you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. At first, people weren't sure how to respond, but Trevor was beaming. His face and his voice told everyone how glad and how proud that he was to be there with his friend, Henry. Somehow, In his brokenness and in his joy, Trevor gave a gift that no one else in that room could have given. People started singing softly at first, but then with more enthusiasm, until doctors and priests and PhDs were almost shouting, if you're happy and you know it. No one was trying to show off anymore. No one worried about the rules. No one tried to separate the PhDs from the ADDs. God's grace is like that. It levels us. It's not about the amount of money you have. It's not about the number of degrees you've earned or your physical appearance or anything else that we try to put on the checklist. It's about the joy of jumping. Amen. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, you have filled us up with a love that's so big we can't help but have that spill out onto people that we meet. Lord, we ask that you help us tap into that joy, that you help us recognize your presence, and that most of all, You help us really, really believe at the deepest part of who we are, that we are loved and adored by you just because you made us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: Join us for one more song. I guess we're going to do this one over again. to you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you to I am, too I am, too I am, and I've seen many searching for answers far and wide. But I know we're all searching for answers only you provide because you know just what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father to you, are to you, are to you, are and I'm loved by you who I am who I am who I am You are perfect in all of Your ways You are perfect in all of Your ways You are perfect in all of Your ways to us You are perfect in all of Your ways you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us. You're a good, good father. To who you are. To who you are. To who you are. And I'm loved by you. To who I am. To who I am.
0: crazy, out-of-this-world, inclusive, abundant grace of God. Fill your hearts with love, give peace to your soul, and help you jump for joy. Amen.
2: living on the inside Search on the earth for those who will lost and leaving the rescue for the fallen. You're leading us home as we call upon your name. On, You're the God who says, You're the